Welcome, my name is Rachel Miller and this is Haunted Midwest, a show that discusses the paranormal right from my hometown, Tulsa, Oklahoma. We'll be discussing the findings and the urban legends as well as the history of Oklahoma and its neighboring states. If you're a firm believer in the paranormal or just a casual historian, our goal is to discuss the different opinions on the paranormal as well as the origins of these legends. From the famous Hex House to the not so well known Oaklawn Cemetery, if you'd like to be a part of our upcoming show and have a story that you would like to share about our upcoming topics, you can email me at hauntedmidwestshow at gmail.com. Hello, thank you for tuning in to the Haunted Midwest Show. I'm Rachel Miller, and today we are with, we are with OKPRI, or Oklahoma Paranormal Research and Investigations. They've done a dozen of cases in the Oklahoma area and have helped shed some light in some of the most haunted locations in the Sooner State. Christy is joining us today. Thank you. How are you doing? Doing pretty good. How are you, Rachel? Doing well. Thanks for being on. Um, so can you tell me when your group was first formed and how did you form your group or what, what made it get started? Okay, well, I've always had an interest in the paranormal and having some gifts that kind of uh, sparked my interest. Um, but I really didn't explore any of it in, until like my, uh, my 20s. And um, I basically went out with a friend and, who, you know, he invited me to come on out and investigate some cemeteries and so forth. And I thought he was a little nuts because, you know, I thought about Hollywood's version of the hand reaching out from behind or underneath the grave and pulling your ankle down, you know, <laughs> taking it. So uh, it really kind of scared me, but I knew I had some experiences and I could see and hear, um, you know, different spirits. So I went out with him one evening and we did go do a couple of rural cemeteries out in, um, you know, county where we lived and came up with some pretty fascinating evidence. And uh, it just sparked my interest even more. So we decided to form a group and that was in June of 2000. So our group will be officially 20 years old, um, June of this year. So um, we consist of a, about six members right now. And, um, you know, all of us have our own reasons for why we got into the paranormal, basically you know, uh, either from past experiences or just because it's one of those things where can you really prove that it's out there and does it really exist and just kind of wanting to get a little bit more information into the unknown. So we've been around for a while. We do take cases all over the state of Oklahoma, sometimes surrounding states even. We will travel, um, you know, and do some, if it's a larger case, uh, you know, like a, a insane asylum or some crazy place you know it's supposed to be really haunted outside of the state of Oklahoma so uh, and we've come up with some great evidence throughout our uh, 20 years of investigating so the interest is definitely there what is some of the uh what's some of the evidence there I guess what was the most concrete evidence that you guys have um, uncovered in your investigations well according to science that's Thing is really concrete obviously because you cannot prove that, that the paranormal exists uh, right but the paranormal research you know we've come up with some uh, EVPs and that's electronic voice phenomenon uh, kind of nicknamed voices of the dead uh, we have some fantastic phenomenal ones and then we also have some very interesting uh, photographs that cannot be explained um, we have some strange things captured on video, uh, just, you know, those are the, the three primary sources of, 
um, things that you know we've collected throughout our years. And one of the things too that we do is we'll do a historical research on a place uh, to see if there's any correlation with the, the claims that are going on. Um, and, you know, and we do an extensive interview. Uh, so if you know, for example, here's something kind of interesting. We did a place a few years back, and it was down in southern Oklahoma. And um, my historian and uh, one of my investigators, she's the historian of the group as well, she actually stayed home that evening um, due to some other obligations. And so we went out to this place in southern Oklahoma. It was a residential, but it was a turn-of-the-century home, very beautiful. And um, one of the things that I'll do when my team goes in to interview with the clients and do the, the walkthroughs, I usually will stay outside uh, because I don't want to hear any of the claims or know anything that's going on. I don't know any of the, of the claims going into a place. So I stayed outside and all of a sudden I had this lady that approached me and she goes, hi, I'm Miss Hannah. And I was like, hello. And, you know, she's like, welcome. And so anyway, this, she disappeared, and so I messaged my historian, the one that was at home, and I said, you know, the craziest thing happened. I said, we had this, I had this ghost that came up to me, this this older lady, and she said, hi, my name is Miss Hannah, and and she welcomed us and disappeared, and I think my historian about fell out of her chair, because you know, little she knew, but I didn't know, but. The, the family's name that had built the home and lived there for many, many years before passing, their last name was Hannah. So, mm -hmm. you know, right there we found documentation of the, the previous owners, and then I had that experience. And then we'll, we'll take that and we'll, you know, see if there's anything that correlates with the evidence. Uh, you know, could we get an EVP that's like, hi, I'm Miss Hannah, you know, um, something that would correlate with what goes on in, in a location. So, but it's primarily the evidence is through photographic, through video, and through recorded audio, um, you know, EVP. Okay. Well, that's, yeah, that sounds pretty, uh, so you're able to, or someone confirmed that someone was walking into the house and that it was a former resident. I saw, um, not to change subjects, but I saw on your website that you worked with about Stone Lion Inn with TAPS. Yes. Uh, can you tell me a bit about that? Yeah, sure. Um, the owner of the Stone Line Inn is a, is a very good friend of mine, and uh, I met her back in the early 2000s, and we had investigated the Stone Line Inn numerous times, and then TAPS had contacted us. They were looking for a place to do within Oklahoma, so we referred them to the Stone Line Inn. They came out, I believe it was in their season two uh, filming. They came out, and um, we spent a few days on location and, uh, you know, did some filming, and it was a lot of fun. Um, they didn't actually show everything in the episode that they found there at the Stone Lion, um, but you know they were able to also record some very interesting evidence in the way of some EVP. Uh, um, you know they got a, I think I believe a heat signature, and we've gotten some fantastic stuff there too. But we've worked with a variety of media. Uh, you know that was sci-fi and taps. So we've worked with Animal Planet. Um, and done, you know, some shows like uh, Most Haunted, and we've done um, My Ghost Story with A&E. So just a little bit of media here and there. We worked out of Oklahoma City with OETA and done local news as well, the newspapers. So we don't ever contact them. Usually if we're contacted, that's when we will do something with somebody. But yeah, TAPS is the line. It was a, was a lot of fun. Um, the TAPS people were, were great guys. They were, you know, 
great to work with and um, they were very serious about what they did and I do believe that you know in their investigations and stuff it was legitimacy so I don't feel like there was anything that was put in the episode that was misleading at all with uh, can you give the viewers a little light on the Stone Lion Inn and why it's supposedly haunted yeah so the Stone Lion Inn was built um, it, well, the construction was started in 1906 and it was by the Holton and they were actually very one of the very wealthier families in the town of Guthrie, Oklahoma and they lived in a little house right next to where they were planning to build the Stone Lion Inn and their family, they had a lot of children, like 12 children and their, their family just kept continuing to grow so they decided that they needed to build a bigger location, bigger home so they built right next door to where they were living, where the, the Stone Lion is, is presently. And it was started again in 1906, completed in 1907. Um, and they did have um, a little girl. And for years, she was believed to be Augusta. And uh, coming to find out through historical records that we were able to locate. Uh, it wasn't Augusta that passed in the home. She grew up and got married and had a life. Um, and there is a little, a little child that they had lost um, and they thought that there was a boy but then they had also thought that there was another little girl by the name of Irene Holton she appears in like the 19 uh, uh, I think it was a 1900 census but she's not on the 1910 so um, and that's the only record that could ever be found of little Irene why well, have we interviewed um, with the owner of the stone line in and she did speak to several of the remaining members of the Holton family, some of the children, and they did tell her of a story of their little sister and how she contracted whooping cough. And back then they did have a maid that, that worked in the home and um, her, her cough was really bad. So she was given cough syrup, which contained opium in it. And uh, she was accidentally given too much. She was overdosed. And back then uh, the cough drop or the cough syrup with uh, opium was deadly, it was lethal. So it ended up resulting in her death. And uh, we do not know for sure if she did die again because she wasn't on the 1910 census. So we don't know if she died in the original home that they built or if it was in the Stone Lion Inn because um, there's just, there's not records past the census. So, but anyway, she is believed to haunt the Stone Lion Inn. Mr. Holton, um, he also uh, became ill and died in the home and uh, Mrs. Holton you know she fell on hard times they did have borders and rented the pot the top part of it out to some borders and then she ended up later on um, renting it out to Smith's funeral home and Smith's funeral home is still in Guthrie they're just at a different location so it, it was a funeral parlor for quite a few years and uh, then when they moved the house was vacant and it stayed vacant and uh the current, the current owner, Becky, bought it in 1987 with the intentions of turning it into a bed and breakfast. Um, and I will tell you that she said the funeral home still left behind a lot of the funeral home items. So she does have one of the embalming tables that she highlights right there in the, the entryway of the stone line. And uh, she didn't know what it was at first, you know, and, and uh, I think she found it in the kitchen area is what she was saying. And so she's like, hey, this would make a great table, you know, to roll out cookies or whatever. And then when she discovered what it was, she's like, yeah, we're not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I actually remember uh, watching that episode years ago. I remember she was actually talking to Jason and Grant about that table, and they were like, they were like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> it's in the entryway. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a pretty unique little table. I mean, you can still see the drain holes and everything else that's in oh, it. Wow. Uh, it's it's neat. But uh, she tells that story because it always kind of gets people's attention. And uh, she does rent it out as a bed and breakfast. She also has murder mysteries and stuff that she does there, you know, in the, uh, like on the weekends, Fridays and Saturdays. So, um, and it's a very active place. In fact, if you ask me one of the most active in Oklahoma, I will tell you the stone line. You could not pay me enough to stay there by myself all night. I don't care how much you offer me. I would not do it by myself. Nope, wouldn't do it. So uh, it's that active. It is. We have had some crazy experiences there, and it's like you know the house when you see it during the day. It's, it's, it's you know it's like okay, well this is not so bad. But then when it gets dark, that house takes on a totally different ambiance about it. It's just, it's insane. It comes alive, so to speak. Um, you know we we've heard footsteps on the stairs. We've heard voices. We've we've seen shadows and people. Um, we've we've had objects move in the house on their own uh it's just it's very 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 a little place so yes anybody that is you know wanting to, to check it out definitely get a hold of becky stay there for a weekend and i do think she has some of the floors like the basement area and the third floor is, is blocked off to people who want to stay there overnight but you could definitely check out the first and second floor we've got a lot of activity there um and i do know that uh, some of the spirits who are there are also from the time that it was a funeral home. One of its characters is a man named Edward. Uh, he died of lung cancer. And I first encountered him in the basement and he's also been seen by some of the help there at the Stone Lion Inn. Um, but he was brought in during the time that it was a funeral home and um, he's just never left. And he likes to give ladies who go there a hard time. Um, you know, he'll aggravate them and do little things to kind of get their goat a bit. And then there's a, an older lady by the name of Sarah, and she was also brought in during the time that it was a funeral home. And uh, she's, she's kind of a crank, you know, she's not the friendliest, uh, but she definitely is very protective of the home and watching out for it. Then there's the little girl that is, that is seen there that they believe to be the Holtons. Um, and then there is a younger woman um, with long, uh, dark hair that is seen by the name of Elizabeth. And um, we also believe that she was possibly from the time that it was a funeral home too. And she is seen a lot hanging out in the wedding suite area. So, uh, and the little girl that's seen there, uh, she's all over the place. She goes upstairs and she's seen on the first floor and the second floor. Uh, she likes to play with toys. So, uh, you know, we'll set up some toys and, and, you know, the toys have been moved. So uh, it's pretty interesting. So a lot of, a lot of liveliness going on there. So it's definitely worth anybody checking out if you're in for a, you know, a good spooky night. <laughs> so what was your most interesting case? Well, one of the most interesting cases that we had uh, happened in El Dorado, Oklahoma. And uh, it was actually one of the most frightening, I think, that we've encountered thus far as well. And what happened basically is we were contacted by relatives of these family members uh, because one morning they had woken up and the female homeowner had a cross drawn on her forehead and some sort of strange like symbol on her right cheek. 
and the male homeowner, when he had woke up, he had some sort of white substance in his hair and he went to go, and he said it was burning and he went to go wash it out and he said that his hair began falling out. So of course, naturally on that, I, you know, I asked, well, did, you know, he happened to use Nair, did they have any Nair products in there? And, and they're like, no, they had none of that in the house. So, um, and then, so they wanted some, an- some answers as to what could have caused this, you know, and what could have been the source of the, you know, how the symbol got there and this and that. And then, uh, you know, as we were corresponding back and forth, they also let us know that there were, you know, bad smells coming from the house, like sulfur, dead smells. They had described how they were in the kitchen one time and uh, they were scraping off paint. And what they were doing is they were restoring this place because they had bought it for retirement. And its history was that it was once a, uh, a church um, a long, long time ago. It, 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 it's built in the 1920s, I think, uh, but it became a church. And then eventually it was combined. The church and the parsonage was combined and made into a house. And so um, people had lived there for as short as two days. They'd owned it, you know, as, as short as two days up to, you know, a few years. But we did happen to talk to people in the past who lived there and they did report, you know, similar experiences. So anyway, um, so as they were, as this, this homeowner was in there restoring one of the kitchens, they were peeling the paint off the cabinets and um, they said it was November. So, you know, the weather was kind of chilly and so their windows and doors were closed and locked. And they said that all of a sudden this big swarm of flies just appeared in the kitchen. And so they got air and they began like, you know, or not in there, I'm sorry, they got, they got raid and they started spraying raid in the, you know, on the flies. And instead of the flies dropping dead, you know, on the floor, the flies were just disappearing into thin air. Um, they said that they had also seen like a figure of, um, it was like on all fours. And they said they thought it was, it was the size of like a large dog. Um, but they said it was kind of like, looked like dark, like shadowy. They'd seen that throughout the house. Um, you know, they had animals, they had chihuahuas, and when they moved in this house, their chihuahuas became very anxious and, um, you know, frightened, and they started, like, losing all of their hair, and one of them even died, and they took them to the vet, and the vet said, you know, they didn't have mange or anything, and, um, you know, he didn't know what was the, the cause of it, so um, they just, they had all sorts of weird things, like things moving, and just they would hear people talking and then they would hear this low guttural type, you know, voice throughout the house. And they swore up and down that they had a demon in their home. And, um, you know, they invited us to come out and investigate it. And so we were like, okay, well, we got out there and, um, went to go investigate the home. And I mean, the, the night that we arrived, the homeowners were waiting for us in the yard. They're like, nope, we don't, you know, we just had some stuff happen and we are, we're waiting in the yard. So as we got to investigating, um, you know, first off, I, I did have an individual that was on my team. He was new to the, the team and he ended up uh, going out in front of the yard and, you know, saying some things that were in a provoking manner and um, which you know, could have upset whatever entity that was there. So, um, after I found out he was, um, let go from the team, but anyway, um, so we came in to investigate and I had, you know, everything kind of seemed like a normal night. And when, when homeowners tell us, you know, demon, we're like, okay, well, we just, it's not like we don't believe them, but 
a lot of people automatically assume any paranormal activity that they have is demons because they don't understand a lot of, of you know, hauntings and things that's going on. And when people fear what they don't understand, they kind of classify it all as demonic. So, um, long story short, we're out there and we're investigating and, um, I do, I do what I, I call as a walkthrough. So I kind of go through the home and I do a little, little walkthrough and I assess to see on a spiritual level who is there and if there's anyone, you know, any spirits that need help or if there's any messages that they have. And I try to figure out who's there, why they're there, and if there's anything that they want in particular. So um, you did get this feeling that you were being watched. You got this feeling like something was, you know, walking up behind you and coming up behind you. So um i'd gone up on the second floor and this is kind of where it all started with the craziness but i'd gone up on the second floor and it was in one of the rooms that they used as storage and um i just kind of took some time and just sat there for a minute and was listening and i saw this little girl uh she probably looked maybe like she was four five six you know she was in this um this pale yellow dress and it had a ribbon around the waist and she was in white socks with um, black shoes and she was playing with a set of jacks in the floor and she turned and she looked up at me and as she did her she had this grin on her face like you know a kid uh, before they do something that they shouldn't they kind of have this little mischievous grin on her face well that's what she had then all of a sudden her face changed into something I'd never seen before it, it kind of looked lizard like in a sense I guess you could say it's it's uh, skin was ashen gray and it had pits in it and then it's it had um, like just two um, two holes for its nostrils and it had a real big mouth and a gaping mouth with with teeth and its eyes were kind of round but slanted in a sense um, kind of like a, a cat eye, I guess you could describe, but, um, and then it had these appendages coming up around its neck, kind, kind of like a horny toad would. Um, and then all of a sudden, as she turned into that, this thing like lunged at me and right as it lunged at me, it disappeared. And I'm not kidding. It shook me up. I was like, Whoa, <laughs> that's a little bit out of the norm, you know? And so, um, like right after that, I started feeling very ill. Um, I, I started to get very shaky. Um, you know, I had, um, you know, like sweats and I was, I was feeling kind of nauseated to my stomach and, uh, I just was not feeling very good. And I was like, man, I need some fresh air. I got to get out of the house. And so I went out of the house and I, um, you know, went to go get some water and just kind of breathe some fresh air. And I, one of my investigators who was there with me, she's like, you know, Christy, why don't you just go ahead and lay down in the van and just kind of relax and, I'll, you know, I'll get you like a little towel for your head and because, you know, I was sweating and um, and I don't have any medical conditions that would, you know, cause symptoms like that. So, um, so I went ahead and I laid in the van and then I kept hearing this thing and it was saying like, you know, let me in, let me in. Um, and I was like, you know, leave me alone get away from me you know and as my friend and co-investigator went to go get um you know the little washcloth and and uh, another bottle of water for me i you know she said you better back off and leave her alone or you're gonna have me to deal with 
And I guess that was a wrong choice because the next thing I know, I heard her calling my name out three times. She said, Christy, Christy, Christy. And bam, something knocked her off her feet and she went backwards.
so you guys did a case.